Hello friends and welcome back to Swimming and Singing. I'm Sarah Nelson, a certified yoga therapist and yoga teacher, and I specialize in working online with people who think they are too tired, too busy, too anxious, or in too much pain to do yoga. I use the traditional tools of yoga and modern technology to help you create a more easeful and joyful life. The name of my podcast comes from a beloved poem written by Gregory Orr, and is a reminder that some days it's all we can do to tread water, and then other days there is room for joy. This podcast aims to share practices for both types of days. Friends, I'm always excited to share my guests with you, but today I'm extra excited. Today's guest is a dream guest of mine and someone I assumed would be too busy to take time to chat with me. She's an award-winning poet, a podcaster, and a lovely human being. I was so nervous when we recorded this interview, but as always, she was a delight and put me right at ease. I'm so excited to welcome Rosemary Watola Tromer to the podcast. Rosemary co-hosts the Emerging Form podcast on creative process, Secret Agents of Change, a surreptitious kindness cabal, and Soul Writers Circle. Her poetry has appeared on A Prairie Home Companion, PBS NewsHour, O Magazine, American Life in Poetry, on Carnegie Hall Stage, and on river rocks she leaves around town. Since 2006, she's written a poem a day. Her collection, Hush, won the Halcyon Prize. Naked for Tea was a finalist for the Abe Muse Book Award. Her next collection, All the Honey, comes out in April, 2023. Her new daily audio series, The Poetic Path, is available on the Ritual app. Her one-word mantra, adjust. This chat is filled with so much good, good stuff that you are definitely going to want to read the show notes where I'll share Rosemary's links and forthcoming books, as well as the poems and authors that we discuss. Hi, Rosemary, and welcome to Swimming and Singing. Hi, it's so good to be with you again, Sarah. Nice to see you. Good to see you too. I want to start by sharing that I've taken a couple of online poetry writing workshops with you, and I was kind of blown away by the way you teach poetry and how it's so similar to the way I teach yoga. Like it felt like an extension of my yoga practice. Um, You create this judgment-free, welcoming, inclusive space where I'm just able to feel free to write without any sort of expectation of creating like something correct or perfect or publishable. Um, But at the same time, something about that environment also makes it easier for me to kind of tune in with that quiet inner voice of wisdom and Sometimes I'm writing what seems like a really, you know, simple poem about 
the tea kettle in the corner or something and like something really profound can come out of it. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Um, thank you for the way that you share poetry. It's, yeah, it's just delightful. Mm, thank you. I remember your tea kettle poem, by the ah! way. <laughs> but you know what? I, I love too that you notice maybe the similarity with the way that I think about a poetry practice and the way that others might engage in a yoga practice or a meditation practice. Uh, I do think that what they have in common maybe is a willingness to really show up and see what's here and uh, that kind of generosity of spirit that I think we find in in a yoga class I think I certainly hope that's what that's what I'm hoping to find in my own practice right mm -hmm. so I'm 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 very glad to hear that that was part of yeah. your experience yeah yeah so great so I wanted to have you on um, to talk about mindfulness and poetry in particular. And I thought we might start with talking about reading poetry, um, because I, I assume that more people might find it a little more readily available to read poetry, may not see themselves yet as a person who writes poetry, but we'll get there. Um, so I just thought we could maybe kind of explore the ways that reading poetry can inform mindfulness or awareness. Hmm. Okay, that makes me think I'd really like to read you a poem that I wrote yesterday or two days ago uh -huh. about why I read poems. Uh-huh. I read <laughs> <you> that poem. <laughs> are you are you is that okay to bring that in right I now? I would love that. Yes. Okay, let's see. It's gotta be pretty close here. While Rosemary is finding that, I will just say that she has a blog, A Hundred Falling Veils. That's right. Yeah. Where she publishes a poem every single day. And it's wonderful to read. And yes, I, I was looking at it earlier today and I was like, oh, that poem. <laughs> All right. This is why I read poems. It is so little, I think what a few words can do. And yet today, after reading a very small poem, my heart opened so wide, a whole life rushed through. Such a current of love, somehow contained in the banks of so few words. It carried me, that tiny poem, as I walked through snow, carried me as I wept, carried me as I taught and planned and paid bills. It carried me as if I were a Roman general in a chariot, carried me as if I were Venus on a wave, carried me as if I were me, a woman grateful to be carried through a day by a poem, its words not only cradling this heart, but becoming the heart itself. Is it fair to answer your question in a poem? I, you know, I, yes. I'd like to say, I guess, that the what I hope that poem conveyed and what I feel when I read poems, and let's be clear, it's not all poems. In fact, for those of you who think, gosh, I don't understand poems, I, I, I read so many poems I don't understand either. <laughs> I've read so many poems that make me feel stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and... Uh, 
who likes that? Nobody. But but that's part of why I read so many poems. Is because, and I'm willing to read, you know, 50, 60 poems to get to the one that goes, oh, that, that, that. Because when I get to the one then that does have that, as Emily Dickinson makes the top of your head feel like it's going to mm -hmm. blow off or, you know, I, I feel like there's that full body resonance sometimes that we have with a poem that that it does, as I say in this poem, not just, you know, carry our hearts, but it even informs our hearts. It becomes our hearts. It's, it's as if this poem changes everything about the way we're able to meet a moment. So that when I say, you know, it, it carried me as if I were me, like it, it, <laughs> it invited me into a deeper understanding of myself in that moment and allowed me to be very curious. What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean right now? Yeah. I had a thought and it, it's floating. It's floating <laughs> by. <laughs> um, oh, I, yes. I appreciate that you said you, it could take reading 50 or 60 poems to get to that poem because Sometimes I think I should be just be able to open up a book of poetry and like whatever page it lands on, it should like speak directly to my heart. And um, and I do think it takes sometimes some work to find the one that's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like it and, gets and that, me. That's just it. You know, I feel like if if I read a poem and I'm like, meh, I move on, right? I don't take it personally. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just move on. But I have a trick for that, Sarah, um, to find poems that I do a better job now, right? Of finding the poems that speak to me. Partly that yeah. is through finding editors of anthologies who I really trust. And they do all the work for me in finding, you know, they find poems and now maybe I like every third poem you know or so for instance I really love James Cruz as an editor he has several beautiful books The Path to Kindness How to Love the World Healing the Divide these are gorgeous anthologies of poetry or my other favorite duo is Phyllis Coldye and Ruby Wilson and their book Poetry of Presence and in April Poetry of Presence 2 what a gorgeous anthologies full of poems that are more hits than misses for me. Yeah. Yes. And I will share that um, Poetry of Presence Volume 1 was one of the books that got me through the pandemic. It was, mm -hmm. I had checked it out from the library in early 2020. And then at some point, the library just wouldn't take books back. Right. <laughs> they didn't want them. <laughs> so... That book lived with me for like a year or more. I was telling you before we started, it's how I found you. Um, yeah, I love that. I love that book. I'm really excited that there's a volume two coming out. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I love that it lived with you. That's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> the book that came to live with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He sheltered with me. Um, I was thinking too of... Um, I think many listeners may be familiar with Mary Oliver and um, I feel like, you know, she's such a great example of someone who really brings mindfulness into, into poetry and that that almost poetry can almost be some poetry that all of poetry is so different, but um, 
almost like a how-to manual for mindfulness. Like Mm -hmm. you read about how somebody looks at a tree or Mm -hmm. a situation or a moment in time and can kind of um, potentially inform how how to practice mindfulness. Mm -hmm. She is a good example of that. I think in part because her work is so devoted to paying attention. Yeah. You know, that's something that she even says very often in her in her poems. You know, I'm thinking of wild geese over and over. The world calls to you harsh and exciting, announcing again and again, you know, your place in things. I just stumbled it a little bit. But th- it that whole idea of how do we pay attention, of course, is so much to do with mindfulness. Right. And it's it is so at the heart of a poetic practice, whether we're reading a poem and noticing details or writing a poem. But, you know, in a poem, I I often I think I'm kind of a greedy reader. (laughs) I'll when I read a poem, I'll I'll ask it. What do you have to teach me? Yeah, I want to know, you know, and I'm I. I mean, I think I do a pretty good job of just meeting it as it is also, but when it grabs me. You know, when it when I'm like, oh, I have that woo, that that zing of resonance, and I think, oh, what, why? You know, I get so curious about it. What do you have to yeah. teach me about how to meet the world, about how to meet a page, about how to meet myself? Yeah, yeah. And she's great at that. Mary Oliver's great at that. She her her poems are such invitations to to meet the world. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know this, the title of my podcast, Swimming and Singing, is from the Gregory Orr poem about grief. Oh, yeah. Which is a poem that like has become me and I have become. Yeah, Gregory Orr has been a huge influence for me too. And he has a, a poem that begins, not to make loss beautiful. But to make loss the place where beauty starts, where the heart understands for the first time the nature of its journey. And those lines, Sarah, have really saved me. Um, my, my son died about a year and a half ago, and my father died just three months after that. And the truth of those lines, not to make loss beautiful, but to make loss the place where beauty starts. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Just yeah. the gift of that, the gift of that. And then to, where the heart understands for the first time the nature of its journey. Again, we touch mindfulness there, right? With the, yeah. the ever, ever ongoing invitation to meet what is here now. What is here now? What is the nature of this journey of what it is to be alive? I love that he was the inspiration for your for your podcast title. Yeah. Um, that that reminds me of something you said in an email. Um, oh, that poetry can be a way of cultivating openness to the world as it is. Mm-hmm. And I loved that as opposed to like, like loving the world as it is or accepting the world as it is, but this idea of cultivating openness to the world as it is. I think about that constantly, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I think about that constantly. Um, When, when Finn died, my kind of 
call to myself was, you know, to the world, I guess, was open me, let me stay open. Mm. You know, any, anyone who I went to for help, a therapist or, or a massage therapist or the acupuncturist or any, you know, I'd say, they'd say, how can I help you? Would, and I'd say, open me, you know, how, how can I be open? And poetry has been one of the greatest mm. gifts in that cultivating openness uh, because There, there is not a right and wrong in that, right? There isn't a right, there isn't one right way to do it. There are many, many, many infinite right ways to do it. I think if there's anything I love about poetry, it is that, mm. that it is a, a practice that more than anything asks us what's here, what's true now, what's true right now. And and I think you know this about me, that that in my own practice, what I ask myself is, you know, what's the next true thing? What's the next true thing? And I let that be what guides the next line uh, as I'm writing. I'll be very still sometimes for a long time before I write the next <laughs> line as I continue to wonder what is the next true thing. And um, and in that way, I think you're right, that, it, that, that cultivating openness, that without the stress, honestly, of acceptance or surrender, right. which can be really too much. You know, I don't want to. <laughs> but if I can yeah. just open to it and say, okay, or my other favorite way I'm supposed to say it is, is just to meet it, to meet what is happening and to allow language to be one of our ways of meeting the world as it is. is very non-threatening, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank very you. possible. Yeah. Can anyone write poetry? Yes. It's so, <laughs> that is the easiest answer. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't doubt it for an instant. Uh, I I know many, many people who've come to me and said that they absolutely could not write a poem. And then we did. Uh, and and <laughs> here, here are some thoughts on that. Why would I say that? besides experience. Uh, the truth is that if you can write a list, then you can write a poem. And I believe that pretty much all of us can write a list. Mm -hmm. If you can write, and some of my favorite poems in the world are, are lists. And, and you can give yourself, you know, any kind of a title or prompt, you know, uh, things that don't work. And you just make a list of things that don't work or, or <laughs> things that bloom, things that open, um, Reasons, reasons why I stay home. Yeah, I mean, just anything like, you know, and just make a list of it. And what's glorious is that, uh, and I know this as an individual, if I make that list, or if I make that list with a group of people, and I ask, you know, however many people there are, five people, 20 people, 100 people, we're going to come up with many, many, many different things. And, and as we bring them in and swirl them around, there's a sweet energy that happens then as we kind of open ourselves to what what could go on that list then or you know then you play around with how do you order that list and of course the hardest part of a list poem is how do you end it but <laughs> you know so, some endings are more satisfying than others did i say everybody could be a great poet no but who you know <laughs> but can you can everyone yeah. write a poem a thousand percent and may none of us ever try to write a great poem because that is the surefire mm. way to make sure that you don't write anything at all uh, yeah, 
I love that. Thank you. I think, yeah, similar to like, can everyone sing? Can everyone dance? Like, sure. Like maybe not like at a professional level or. Yeah. (laughs) And is that really what you want? (laughs) Right. Right. Maybe you just do it alone in your room and if it brings you joy. Friend, here's the my bottom line with with poetry is that it is play, that it's play. And the the more I remember that myself, and I think I'm lucky because my introduction to poetry was play. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with Shel Silverstein when I was in fourth grade, and so that was kind of my intro to this is what a poem is. You're having a good time, you know. And meanwhile, you touch the dark underbelly, and and so understanding that right off the bat, getting that kind of into my body, that you can talk about the hardest things and do so in a fun and playful way, that's still why I write poems every day, you know, is because of that, because of that. And the more I remember play is involved, the less seriously I take myself, even about very serious subjects. Mm-hmm. Then... The, the more fun it is, the more easy it is, the more it flows, you know, the more, the more I'm surprised myself, which is, I think, really probably one of the biggest reasons that I love writing as a practice is because it's a constant invitation to surprise and epiphany mm-hmm. by letting myself show up without knowing what's going to happen. Something always happens. Sometimes I even like it. Sometimes I'm surprised. I'm like, whoa, that's a really that's cool. <laughs> you know, sometimes like, huh, okay, all right, well, I'll try again. I'll try again tomorrow. You know, <laughs> there's always tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Rosemary. Um, so here's my plan from here. I'm gonna mm-hmm. tell, gonna tell people how to find you, and then we will we'll finish with a you'll. Um, give us a poem and a poetry prompt, um, poetry writing prompt, so that people can experience for themselves that they really can write a poem. But I just want to make and, and and I'll link to all of this in the show notes. And Rosemary has things happening that we're not even going to talk about right now <laughs> that are going to be linked in the show notes. She's got too much stuff happening. <laughs> list it all a ridiculous abundance of of goodness yes april 2023 is her month (laughs) (laughs) i would Um, like can i say that i do i am very excited about the the book all the honey that's going to be coming out with samara press uh april 18th and yes what i'm mostly excited about with this book is that it does what i think um I wish my practice would do, which is it. it is an opening, right? It's a book that embraces both exceptionally deep grief. You know, in, in the same book, there's a poem about the day after my son died. And there's a poem about um, pretending I'm Dolly Parton walking around in my kitchen in four-inch recite stilettos, <laughs> right? So that's, that's so goofy and so um, raw. And... I didn't know in the beginning it was going to be possible to do something like that, to have a book that would have that kind of scope Mm -hmm. until I thought, well, in the book, it explains exactly why that became possible for me. I guess I won't go into that now, but that is what we're asked to do, isn't it, Sarah? 
in a, yeah. in a in a lifetime and even in a moment in a day we're asked to contain all of that at once not sequentially yeah. right? we don't just grieve and then we're happy you know no we really yeah. are meeting all of the expressions of life in this very human contained vessel all the time all the time so i i feel like that book like this book it really does mm. that. It really meets what it is to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for letting me say something about of it. Of course. No, I'm also very excited about it. Rosemary also co-hosts a podcast, Emerging Form. I mentioned the blog, A Hundred Falling Veils. That'll be linked. A, a poem. You guys, a poem every single day. <laughs> <laughs> You know, when I go into, a, you know, like fourth grade classrooms, I've written poems for more years than these kids have been alive, right? I've been doing it for 16 years, you know, and uh, <laughs> that's every single day of their lives, I've written a poem. <laughs> I'm always a little amazed by that myself. That is, that is amazing. Um, and hopefully by the time this episode comes out, we'll have a link to um, the ritual app that sounds so interesting. What you're I'm very excited about it. It's every day I'll read a poem uh, of my own and talk a little bit about it and offer a prompt, read it again. So it, people can either listen to it for prompts, but really the practice for that is just showing up to mm. listen. That's it. That's all anybody's asked to do. They're only six minutes long, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about it how that's turned out because I love poetry as an oral art. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds so great. Okay. And the other, the other books and projects Rosemary has coming out, we will link in the show notes. <laughs> so make sure you check that out to find them all. <sighs> so let's have a poem and a prompt, please. Okay. All right. So I'm going to recite a poem first, I think, and then I'll I'll give you some ideas for how it was created and how to use it to launch into your own poem. So this is a poem called Watching My Friend Pretend Her Heart Isn't Breaking. On Earth, just one teaspoon of neutron star would weigh six billion tons. Six billion tons is the equivalent of every animal on Earth, including the insects, times three. Six billion tons sounds impossible until I consider what it is to swallow grief. Just one teaspoon and one may as well have consumed a neutron star. How dense it is. How it carries inside it the memory of collapse. How impossible it is to move then. How difficult to believe anything could ever lift that weight. There are many reasons to treat each other with great tenderness. One is the sheer miracle that we are alive together on a planet surrounded by dying stars. The other, no one can see what anyone else has swallowed. That poem 
began in a class that I was teaching for scientists. <laughs> and I, I love science. I'm a total science nerd. And so I thought to myself, what if I just begin with a cool science fact? And I went to the internet and I looked up cool science facts <laughs> and found lists and lists of them. <laughs> so that's part one is go to the internet and look up cool science facts and let, see what shows up. Find one that interests you. That's part one. Then marry that with, I, I often think of a poem as being the marriage of what's happening in the outside world and what's happening mm. in the inside world. So the science fact is something happening outside, even if it's about human biology, it's something that's a, it's not a thought or it's not a feeling. The inside world, I think, is being thoughts and feelings. So think of a uh, an abstract. This is what all poems want to write about, right? We want to write love or greed or hate or fear or justice or lust or, in this case, tenderness and grief. And um, so the 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 two words that I had, or the two things that I had in my mind when I went into writing this poem, I found this fact about neutron stars. I was like, hmm, they weigh six billion tons. That's that's huge. That's huge. <laughs> a, a teaspoon would weigh a teaspoon would weigh six billion tons. Then I and the word that I had chosen in my own mind due to things that were going on with me was grief. And then what I do. And I do this, Sarah, with pretty much, you've already heard me say this already once in this podcast, what do you have to teach me? So I just follow that fact for a while and I get very interested in it and I research it a little bit. I make a bunch of associations with it, right? Like I'm like six billion tons, how much would that weigh? And then I did that little research. I love researching for poems. That research about how... <laughs> What what else weighs six billion tons, right? Every animal on Earth, including the insects, times three. What? Oh my gosh! I'm gonna swallow that. Um, so then, pairing that with grief, I'm thinking, what does this neutron star have to teach me about grief? And I thought, wow, you know, isn't that isn't that what it's like? You you just feel like there's that much. You're that heavy when you've just one teaspoon of grief could be like that. So that's really the the basic is think of a abstract word, something you're curious, something that's up for you right now, you know, innocence, joy, fear, kindness, friendship, betrayal. Think of find a fact and then just see what kind of conversation mm. do they have. And just be open, just be open. I feel like the research process is part of it what it is what allows for this kind of play epiphany to come in um the only thing i i warn people against when they're writing is to know too much about what they're doing or where they're going then it, then poetry yeah. becomes reporting and that's boring really yeah but to to meet a page and not know what's going to happen what happens if i pair a neutron star in grief what's going to show up oh that um and then eventually, you know, the question that I like to ask myself, what do you have to teach me? And then at some point, I suppose there's, the, <laughs> so what? <laughs> That's a little <laughs> crass, isn't it? <laughs> but but when we ask ourselves, so what? There's a, a sweetness that happens in that 
we get to find out what's really at stake. Why does this matter to me? And mm -hmm. allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to meet that. Why does that matter? How does it help me meet the world? Not to necessarily find answers. I think this is something, you know, is very mm. important to me about poems is that they don't necessarily need to answer anything. If I had to come up with answers every time I wrote a poem, I would never write a poem, right? <laughs> Ever, because I'm not that wise. But if I know <laughs> that I can show up and ask question after question, and that's all I ever have to do is meet the question. The truth of a question is almost always more interesting than the truth of an answer. So I, I just let myself know, I don't have to know a thing. I don't have to know anything. The poem doesn't need to arrive at any wisdom. You know, if my so what is, I'm curious about this and I don't know, then if that's true, that is the most true, you know, I'm going to write that. Yeah. Okay. So to, to recap and make it sound very simple, find a science fact, think of a abstract word and do some research and let the two have a conversation on the page. Awesome. I love it. And then part three, send me your poem because I want to read it. <laughs> Everybody said Sarah, your poems. <laughs> I feel like you told us in one of our workshops that the sharing of the of the poetry is a really important part of it, even though I want to keep mine in sight. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> why do we why do we want to keep them inside? Of course we do, right? It's such a vulnerable act, sharing our hearts with each other, which is, I think, why it's such a great practice is <laughs> to continue practicing again and again. How do we share our, our hearts with each other? How do we share what's most vulnerable and intimate and true about ourselves with each other? A poem is a good way to practice that. Well, that's a perfect, perfect note to end on. So thank you so much, Rosemary. It was lovely to talk with you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for listening to Swimming and Singing. Links and contact information for me and my guests can be found in the show notes and on my website, where you'll also find a free guide to creating a yoga habit for exhausted perfectionists when you sign up for my newsletter. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast. And if you have thoughts or comments or poems you'd like to share with me, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep swimming and keep singing. <laughs>